0: Um, pro- processing that still and, and I mean we're all processing that still and, and working through together and um, definitely still maybe grieving and, and I mean this is the first service without Dave which is kind of strange For probably take a bit to get used to as well and um, just want to say that that's okay it's okay to be in process it's okay to be processing well, a lot has happened in a short amount of time it's okay to be grieving um, it's okay to, to be still figuring stuff out and working out together. And, but even in the midst of that and in the midst of some uncertainty and, and anxiety, um, we're going to trust God and, and move forward together and not look to blame, not look to quick fixes or easy answers, but, but look to come together and to trust God and to, to center on him and to enter and to transition together, and so that, so I just encourage you, just if wherever you're at, it's okay, you can be there, um, and to. But at the same time, that there is an opportunity that we have now to to really seek God and think, what does this next season look like? Where is He leading us? What what is what is um, the future going to be? Um, and I suppose, yeah. So my role, so it's the title is interim senior pastor. So interim is like transition. For a period of time, till we find a new senior pastor, so we're looking for somebody else. Um, the period of time currently on that is till about Christmas. We have some holidays after that, so it's like you know, a busy bit of time up till then. Um, and I suppose if we haven't found someone, then we can negotiate that might go a bit longer. Um, and so the role is though to to really to carry the teaching ministry, so we can keep building in, keep growing together, keep following Christ, keep keep this vision that we have to be a light to the hearts of the home of the street, knowing, and going, we want to keep that going. Um, but, but as well, the role is to lead through transition, to, so to, to help facilitate and say, well, what does this look like? How, how can we come together and seek God for the future? What does he want? What is this new season? And, and work towards developing a vision for what that could be. Um, so that's kind of the role, so teaching and leading through transition. Um, and yeah, so, so if, if you guys have any questions about that, really happy to talk, talk more about that as well. Um, you probably remember when Dave gave the announcement a couple of weeks ago, he was really strong on, like, like the church is not built on a person. It's built on Christ. We don't look to people. We look to God. He was really strong on that. So I, when he was leaving, I want to be really strong on that, starting this and just say, like, I'm not the saviour. I'm not going to fix everything. Don't put all that expectation on me. I just turned 30. Don't even have much hair. Like, you guys know that I have massive weaknesses and fears and and all sorts of that stuff i've only been in ministry for a year and a half there's so many reasons why this yeah i'm weak but i trust that god's grace is sufficient that his power is made perfect in weakness and that that he can work in that space and and for me and for all of us that in a place of vulnerability and weakness there's threats and dangers and 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 uncertainty but on the other hand there's opportunity to really see god work and trust him and to step into that um and i suppose just on that um just uh, just for me personally like yeah the last few weeks have been um up and down and processing a whole lot of stuff but have been just full of god's grace to me i've just been so aware of his kindness answering prayers Needing things, praying, seeking and there's just things just lining up, even just today and all this coming together for today. Just just an abundance of his grace. And and, and Jesus said to Paul when he's weak, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, and his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect and we He does provide, He is good, He is gracious, and it's way beyond what we could ever ask or think or imagine, and that's true. And and we can we can trust that and work through that together. Um, I don't know. Maybe well, could you put the lights up a little bit? Maybe just a bit dark. Yeah, that's good. Cool. So, um, so leading into that, what what I thought would be good, just to to start and just start to think through. Well, what does transition look like? How can we transition together? I know that's a really obvious title. Maybe even a bit cliche, but I feel like it's good to be clear. It's good to be obvious rather than a bit subtle in this season. So. So yeah, we got like black and white pretty clear. <laughs> so what we're going to do is, is look and sit in the book of Colossians for a little while, maybe like four or five weeks. Um, not as like heavy teaching. We just, I think we just need some stuff that's a bit lighter. Um, even It's even a bit devotional. Like I'm not really going to be trying to give you the real strong meaning of the passage, but just sort of use it. And we're kind of going to just apply it pretty directly to us and use it as a basis to pray that, that what is really needed in this season is for us to come to God because what we really need in this season is God. Like we need His power, we need His protection, we need His provision, we need His plan. We're going to talk through that tonight. Um, so what we really need is to pray. And I mean, Dave said that last week in an awesome way that we need the Holy Spirit, the apostles need the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit, we need to pray like they needed to pray. So I encourage you to, to do that and I guess wanna, My part of this role is to facilitate that and help that that we can really seek God. For the future. So we're going to kind of sit in Colossians as a bit of a basis for that to help lead through. So we're, tonight we're going to cover quite a bit, um, 23 verses, a lot of verses. We're kind of just going to skim the surface and I give you three really simple points that we can kind of just start to go on this journey of transition together. So I might pray and then we'll get, get stuck right into it. Father, just thank you so much um, just that you are here. The Lord is here in this place. Um, That this is your place, um, that we are your people, uh, this is your word, uh, you've given us your spirit, um, and these words that were written 2,000 years ago, Lord, um, your Holy Spirit can speak them powerfully to us today. So would you just speak into our hearts, God, what we need to hear, God, wherever we're at, we might be at all different places tonight, but would you just unite us together by your spirit, um, and would you just lead us into your vision and your plans and what you want with us God. So we just yeah, would you just speak through me tonight in your name, Jesus. Amen. Cool. So we're gonna start right at the start of Colossians. So you can follow along up there or you can follow along on your phone or Bible, whatever you would like. So this is what this is Paul writing to a church at Colossae. So it's this little letter in the New Testament. It's I encourage you just to read it maybe this week, even it doesn't take long to read. You could probably read it in like half an hour maybe, maybe less than that. It's not it's not very long. Um And he's writing to this church, that's a pretty healthy church, but he's never been there before. He's actually writing while he's in prison. This is just sort of interesting facts. And he's and he's there with, with Timothy, who's his his helper as well. So this is what he says, Paul. So this is who's writing it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul again, right? He's he's not saying Paul's not saying he's special, he's saying it's Jesus, and Jesus is choosing to use Paul, which is what makes Paul's ministry significant because of Christ. And he's writing to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So he's writing to this church, right? And, and again, the church is not the place. It's not the building. And he says where they are. And where they are first is in Christ. These are people who are in Jesus. They're connected to Jesus. That's like their location first. And then they just happen to be at Colosse. And these people are the saints. They're God's people. They're the faithful Brothers, and that's who we are, as well. Like we are right now. They—they. They, this is two thousand years ago, over, um, in that area of the world. But right now, we are here in Christ in Klanga, right? And it's like it's just Klanga, but the, but we're in Christ. Like Klanga is God's place. Like the Lord is here. We are the saints and faithful brothers. The, 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 this this community, this place. Again, it's not the building. It's not. It's not the playground. It's not the offices. Like. It's, it's the people, and, and we are God's people in Kalanga. And Paul says to them, and, and, and God says to us, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Paul then keeps going, and it's interesting that he starts his letter with prayer. He has a lot of prayer to start with, and he actually writes out his prayer to them, and he starts with prayers of thanksgiving. This is what he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he hasn't actually been to this church, but he prays for them, and he's always thanking God for them. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You might recognize that. Paul's used that before, these key ideas of faith, hope, and love. And in this context, it's it's that he's heard about this church, and that, that Jesus has done something in their hearts that's produced faith in Jesus, and that faith in Jesus has produced love in their hearts for each other. And because of all that, and with all that, they've got, now they've got this hope that they're looking forward to God's kingdom coming. They're looking to heaven. They're looking for the day when God renews everything. And, and Paul is just thanking God for the work that God has done in that community. And again, that's something that's happened here, right? Like this church is decades old. like four, four decades, 40 years old over that and has a history of faith, love, and hope. And again, it's easy to think of the church and to think of the programs or the, or the buildings, but I just encourage you to spend some time as we transition to think about the people in this place and not think about how great the people are, but think about what God has done in people here. Think about people who have come into this place not knowing Jesus, who now serve him in ministry other places. Think about people who um, have been transformed and overcome massive um, issues and problems. Think about people who have grown in love and devotion to God and to each other. This this place has a has a history of that, and right now ha- has that every week. All right, people who live with faith and love and hope in the night service, in the morning service, in in throughout the week, and and we can thank God for that in the same way Paul thanks God for that at Colossae. He keeps going. He talks about what's happening broader as well. He said, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. So he's saying this this good news about Jesus is going out, it's bearing fruit. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love and the spirit. So this guy, Epaphras, is the guy that set up the church there. So Paul didn't set it up. He set it up, but then this guy, Epaphras, has gone to Paul and he's talked about this amazing thing that God's done at Colossae. There's people who believe Jesus. There's love. There's hope. The spirit is at work. And again, that's, that happened here. right? It has a history of that. Right now, that's happened here. And I think the place we can start with as we transition is to just, like Paul, thank God. Thank God for his church. And not just for, for Rivers, for his church in the region, for his church in the world, that God has called together people who believe Jesus, who love Jesus. God has done a work here in this place. And as we transition, I think the place to start is a place of thankfulness saying, thank you, God. And even just for me, like, I'm so thankful for Rivers. Like, I came here when I just finished high school, and just this expression of church I'd never been a part of before, and I just was, like, awesome. I was just into it, and I got baptized here. I remember giving my testimony here when we used to have the yellow chair. Like, like God has used this place to help me develop gifts and give me opportunity to do things. It's like, there's so much to be thankful for for about this community and about this place and the and the people and the love and the grace and the kindness that gets shown here so i just encourage you in this season to 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 thank god thank god for dave man like thank god for his ministry and his love and his his care and as we've been doing the last couple of weeks just you can keep doing that like talk about how awesome dave is and, and thank god for him it's, It's good. And at the same time, we thank God for for all the gifts and all the people he's given us in this church. Thank God for the elders, the men who have given up time and effort and energy and prayer and love and devotion for the good of this church. Thank God for the deacons who serve as well. Thank God for the staff. Thank God for each of you guys here. So many people that volunteer, that serve, that love. There's so much to thank God for in this place. But it's easy, right, to, to not take that posture, and it's easier to say take a posture of kind of vision and not that vision's bad, but vision as in like, well, if everyone just loved each other perfectly and if everything was just right, and if all the problems were gone, it would just be awesome. It's easier to sort of take that posture. And sometimes we think that that's the right posture, that the posture is if if we just all could get along and if we could just all all share everything and like and just like like have this ideal of Christian community which is not completely bad, but there's this guy, Bonhoeffer. You guys, some of you guys might know Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was around World War II, and he, he wrote some amazing books. And one book he wrote is called Life Together. And it's just this book about, really small book about Christian community, but really interesting. And in it, he says that that's, that's not the right response to church and Christian community, to come at it as an, as an ideal. The actual the right response is to come at it from a place of thankfulness for whatever God gives and this is, this is what he says. I want to read this quote from him. The more thankfully we daily receive what is given to us, the more surely and steadily will fellowship increase and grow from day to day as God pleases. So he's sort of saying, instead of having a big vision of, or just be also if we all did this, instead just say, thank you, God, for the brothers and sisters that, that you've given me, for the spiritual community you've placed me in. He says this, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It's rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Again, if we are in Christ, we have fellowship. We're united because of Jesus. It's, it, that's a reality. And we get to enter into and, and acknowledge and thank God for that reality and participate in it. We don't have to kind of champion it like in that sense. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely we shall think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. And what he's saying here, and he talks about in the book, is that often we think of human relationships and it's easy to kind of think of the church in the same way, just as like a human organization or just compare it to a club or compare it to a business or something like that. But it's not. It's it's radically different. Because in, in normal human relationships, people connect directly. It's like... He, human-to-human connection, just just life-on-life connection. But in a spiritual community of the church, we connect through Christ, that all of our relationships are because we're in Jesus, and we love each other through Jesus and in Jesus. So we love each other because we love Jesus, because Jesus loves each other. Like, do you see that Jesus is the link, and Jesus is the one that binds us together and he's the common um, element in our life. And he's actually the, 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 the way that we have fellowship. It's not because we all like this type of worship. It's not because we all like this, this style of preaching or something like that. It's primarily Jesus, right? That He's the center and he's, he's the thing that unites us. He's the one that unites us together. So thank, thank God for his church, that he's actually given us a spiritual family. He's given us a home which has problems, right, and issues like everyone will, always. We get a bunch of people together. There's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. Or, there's no perfect church, which is why the right response is to say, just thank you, God, for the place that you've given us, for the love that you've given us, for the faith that's here, for the hope that's here. Thank you, God. And I just encourage you to, 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 to think through what that looks like for you and, and, and even to share that with others and, and bring encouragement to others, thanking God for what he's done. So that's the first. Then Paul keeps going and he keeps praying. So he starts praying prayers of thanksgiving and then he starts to ask God for things and he starts to pray prayers of intercession. So I read through this. This is what he says. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So he's heard about their faith and he's thanked God for them and then he started to pray for them. And this is what he's praying for them. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what he's praying for, what he wants for them, he wants them to know God's will. And it's not just like, what do I do today? Or it's not just like what 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 job should I have? He's not he's not saying that. He's like, what is God's heart? Like what is God's desire? What is God wanting everything to go towards? What is God prioritizing? And, and that there would be spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that this wouldn't just be like knowing facts about God or, or being like, this is God's will, but it doesn't impact my life. But it actually would impact their life, that they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that their life reflects who God is and just how great Jesus is that their life would be fully pleasing to Him, and in all the things that they're doing, God would be working and bearing fruit, and things would be growing. And as that happens, they would increase in knowing who God is, which sounds strange. It sounds like this, like, well, that's like a circle. It's like, well, you sort of know God's will, and then it it works into your life, and you're living it out, so then you know God. But it's more like, one commentator I read this week said it's more like a spiral. It says that God's will would be revealed that it would impact their life. And as they actually live it, they really experience and get to know who God is, which leads to more living and then impacting them to know who God is. And it's this constant spiral of spiritual growth in Christ, in God. And that's what Paul prays for them. Right, right, again, they, they probably have lots of other needs, but he's saying this is what really matters, knowing God, knowing his will, letting it impact your life, your whole life, everything that you're doing. He keeps going then and asks for the power to do that. He says, "Then being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light." So again, then he prays for God's power for that to happen. He says it's only by His power, that he, by His glorious might that He can work that. It's something that only God can do that they need endurance to stick to the course and they need patience and again in this season right we we need knowledge of his will like we said up here we need to pray to know God's will to know his heart to know what he wants in this next season we need to seek him and not just for facts and information but we need to be able to have his power to live that to let it impact our lives to 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 step into that and then grow in understanding who He is more and more. And we need endurance. We need His strength. We need patience with each other. We need His joy. And and this in this season, it, we need to pray for this as well. Like Paul prays for it for the Colossians, I encourage you to pray for this. That we all pray for this. For here, for rivers, pray for God's will to be made known in in the broad sense and in the sense of this next season. What is God's heart at this time period in history for His church in Kalanga? And we need His power. As Dave said last week, we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to seek God for it. And we have other needs, right? Like we we need someone to take this role as as senior pastor. We need um, other encouragements. We need power. We need His love. We need boldness. And we can go to Him in prayer and ask Him for that. There's a parable that... You guys probably have heard of that Jesus tells of the, the man who has a friend come to him in the middle of the night and doesn't have any food to give to him. So he goes to another friend and, and knocks on his door and pesters him and has to keep asking him. And eventually he gives it. And I'm going to read you a quote by Andrew Murray. And he's an awesome guy who's written stacks of stuff on prayer. I'm going to quote a fair few old guys tonight, and then I'm going to quote a new younger guy later on. But these are like old guys for, to start with. So there was Bonhoeffer. This one's Andrew Murray. He's probably like 100 years ago, around about. Um, but he's got this, this this awesome stuff on prayer and, and intercession. And this is, this is what he says. This encouragement to pray and seek God for these things. He says this. Which of you shall have a friend at midnight and shall say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. This friend is none other but our God. Do, do, do let us learn that in the darkness of midnight, at the most unlikely time, and in the greatest need, when we have to say of those we love and care for, I have nothing to set before them. And sometimes that's actually good. He says this in, in his book. He says, sometimes the best thing we can say is, is we don't have anything. Like, we got nothing, God. Like, we can't do this. Like, we can't make people love you and believe you and trust you. We can't change the problems in our society. But we have a rich friend in heaven, the everlasting God and Father, who only waits to be asked a right. He goes on and says, Let us confess before him our lack of prayer. Let us admit the lack of faith, of which it, which it is the proof, is a symptom of a life that is not spiritual, that is yet all too much under the power of self and the flesh and the world. Let us in the faith of the Lord Jesus who spoke this parable and himself waits to make every trait of it true in us, give ourselves to be intercessors. He says, God has what we need. And this parable he's saying, God gives his Holy Spirit to those who ask him. But we need to ask and we need to pray and we need to seek and we need to do that together. And and I don't know about you, I'm just learning to do that. I'm excited about that. But for so much of my life I just haven't Being engaged with that or being able to really see God in prayer, but I can feel that growing and feel that desire and that that spirit just sort of growing that as well. And the other week um, in our home group, we watched a movie, The War Room. I don't know if some of you guys have seen that. I know some of you guys really don't like Christian movies. That's okay. They're a bit too obvious, a bit too cliche. But this one was good. And there was was some really good things in it. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage encourage you to watch it, even just as an encouragement to pray. And the movie is about a lady who is having major problems with her husband and they're they're fighting and all sorts of issues. And she meets an older lady who's had a lifetime of growing in understanding prayer, has an intercession in her house. She has a room called her warm room where she prays. And and she basically teaches this this younger woman to pray in order to heal her marriage. And her, her encouragement is to this lady that she's fighting the wrong battle that she's fighting with her husband, she's trying to fix her husband, she's trying, try, she's trying to change her husband. But actually, that's the wrong battle. Actually, the true battle is against the power of the enemy. And the way to engage in that battle is to ask God to come in and acknowledge that actually it's God's battle. It's His power that's needed. He needs to take over. And actually, our job is to ask Him to come in and step back and watch Him do the work, watch Him fight the battle, and we come to Him in prayer. And I just thought that was such a helpful understanding of prayer it's actually saying that we we can't fight this battle but also that it's actually not our battle it's god's battle and and our job is to seek him ask him to come in call heaven down and say god your will be done you come you you do what only you can do and god can bring the victory and that when we understand that i feel like that makes prayer so powerful that that we need god But he's waiting for us to partner with him. He's waiting for us to intercede. He's waiting for us to cry out to him. So as we transition, this is an awesome opportunity for us to grow in prayer, to thank God, but also to grow in intercession, to say, God, what is your will? Reveal it to us. Give us your power. Grow us. We need your Holy Spirit. And and to really cry out to him. And, And maybe that's not something that you've done before. Maybe you sort of think, I have no idea where to start with that, or that's just overwhelming. I just encourage you to start where you're at and, and talk to him and thank him and even ask for, for wisdom as to how to do that, how to grow in that. So that's our first two points. So keep going. then. so in, this, in this, these letters to Colossians, then Paul's writing, so he's been praying and thanking and then interceding, but then his writing just lifts. And it's this awesome description of Jesus. And he just goes into basically like poetry and, and a song or even a hymn just to give this description of who Jesus is. And he's just lifting their gaze to Jesus. And as I just read this, I'll, I, I'm just going to, I think I'll just read this and then I'll go back and make some comments on it. So I just want you to listen to it and try and not listen to it just as facts about Jesus because um, sometimes we can just be like, okay, yes, I know Jesus is God. Yes, I know that he died on the cross. Yes, I know that he rose again. Like, how many of we can just have facts? Just encourage you to read this and think, just think about this is true. Like, this is God. Like, this is, whom he, this is, this is the ultimate reality. Like, like, this is huge. I just encourage these, word, these words just to wash over you as I read. This is what Paul says. He, God, has delivered us From the domain of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister." It's just like awesome words that he writes. It's just this lifting, this amazing vision of who Jesus is. And, and what Paul is, is, is leading the, the Colossian church to, I think, is what we need in this season massively, which is to focus our attention on him, to focus our attention on Jesus. That, again, these are not just facts about a theology, but but this is the one who holds everything who is at the center of everything, who is the whole meaning and point and purpose of life is jesus and and this is a great opportunity and a great need for us in this season to not focus on the the, the, the vulnerabilities or the problems or the uncertainties, but to have our gaze lifted to him to see him i 'll just go through this really really quickly, so. When we've come to Him, He's like taking us out from the power of evil where we were trapped. And now we live in Christ, in His kingdom. We have redemption. We've been brought back from the power of evil and sin. We have forgiveness. Uh, we have this, this open, loving relationship with God. And Jesus, right, is what God is like. Like we were studying this at, at Home Group a, a few weeks ago and we just had a moment where we just, just sat and we're just like, God, is there anything else you want to reveal to us about this passage? And I was just sitting outside, and I've thought about this before, but it just, it just hit me in a fresh way. Like, I was looking at the stars, and I was just thinking, like, like God is just so big and so vast and, and, and can be mysterious, and it's like, well, how do you make sense of God? Like, is God. And this verse says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Like, if you want to know what God looks like, if you don't know what God's like, actually just look at Jesus. Like, God has revealed himself in Jesus. His love, his care, his, 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 his sacrifice, that, that that is what God is like, is like Jesus. And this Jesus, right, the man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, is the one through whom God created everything. Like, Jesus is the creator and he is Lord of everything. And he is Lord of the church. That he's the head of it. He's the one that's facilitating it. He's the one that's guiding it. His spirit is leading it. And as well, he's not just the creator and the head of the church. He's the head of the new creation. That, that the world is broken and, and, and there's, there's death and there's evil. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, now there's new creation. And Paul is saying Jesus was the first there as well. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. he 's creator he 's the first of the new creation in him, God is fully dwelling he He has it all right. He is the Lord of everything, and we think about that like vast vision of Jesus, and he is present here with us he He is present in our midst he is present in Kalanga. I was here on Monday night last week, and i don 't know sometimes you just have that sense that God is really present, and it's just like, man, like, Jesus is here with us, like, the most important person in the universe dwells here, like, it sounds like just, that just sounds crazy, or just like too good to be true, but that's, that's what we believe, right, that he is here, that this amazing grand vision of Jesus, he is the one that went to the cross, and made peace by the blood of his cross. And then Paul's encouraging them that that, that Jesus, the, the massive creation, new creation, they have been included into that. And the same for us, that we have been included into that, that he has forgiven us. He is growing us. to will be holy and blameless. And he encouraged us to continue in the faith, to, to hold to this Jesus, to stand with this hope, to keep going. And Paul is a servant, and he serves this, this truth about Jesus. So in this season... Jesus needs to be the focus. And, and again, not just as like the answer to the problem, but as in like it's all about him and the church exists for him. And not just what he's doing here, but what he's doing in the region, what he's doing in the world, that his kingdom is coming. And there's so much more going on than just what is going on here with us. And we get to be a part of that and we get to be caught up in that. And that can just take the pressure off as well. It's like we don't have to carry everything. He carries everything. And we just get to go on the journey and be with him and be his vessel and be his light in this place and in this community. I want to read you this the last old guy. So this is Martin Lloyd-Jones um, as well. And I love this quote. I, wrote, I, I quoted this at the start of the year, and I just want to read this again in terms of focusing on Christ. He says this, You and I can never doubt while we look at him and are clear about him. Without him, we are utterly hopeless. It does not matter how long you've been in the Christian life. You are dependent on Him for every step. Without Him, we can do nothing. We can only conquer our doubts by looking steadily at Him and by not looking at them. The way to answer them is to look more at Him. The more you know Him and His glory, the more ridiculous they will become. So keep steadily looking at Him. And that will take Focus and attention to stay focused on Christ so as we transition and just sort of start thinking through this process we want to spend time thanking God for the past and and for the present for what he's done praying for the future seeking God for the future and in everything focusing attention on Christ some of you guys know um, I've been promoting it. I love it. There's this podcast called This Cultural Moment. It has like my favorite people on it. Um, when it was getting released, it was like the highlight of my week. But now like the second season's finished. So I've got nothing to look forward to. But but this is an awesome podcast. I would encourage you to read it, uh, listen to it. And, and it's just about things that God is doing in churches around the world. It's these three guys, John Mark Comer in Portland, Mark Sayers in Melbourne, and, and Pete Hughes in, in London has been a part of some of it as well. And And they're just talking about what God... Is doing, and these guys are in like hostile environments to Christianity. They're like in progressive, post-Christian cities um, where it's hard to be a Christian, but God is working in that space. God is is bringing flourishing, and these guys are constantly saying, "We we are we are anticipating and looking and praying towards a move of God that that we our culture, our world desperately needs God to move powerfully." It's not nothing's going to change with just quick fixes or just, just change the church style and make it a little bit better. Like, that's not going to cut it. Like, we need God to do something really significant because um, our culture is, is, is moved away from Him and there's a whole lot of problems that we desperately need Him. And I just want to read this quote from John Mark Comer, just talking about this in one of these podcasts. And after that, I'll just I'll pray and... Um, and we were going to come and take communion and this this offering as well um, in that time. And as we um, respond today as well, if you if you would like prayer, and maybe even just maybe even you're just saying, this all sounds great, but I just don't know how to pray. I just can't do it. It's just hard. It's just really difficult. Maybe even I'll be happy to even to pray, just pray for that. That that something would be unlocked. Something would be released to just stir a hunger and a, and a desire and a delight in prayer. Um, I'd love to pray that for people tonight. Uh, and if you'd like to pray for anything else, I'm sure I'd be happy to pray. I'm sure Janelle will be happy to pray. Uh, maybe just come to the front tonight as well. So I'm just going to read this and then, then we'll pray and, and then we'll finish up. So this is what John Mark Comer says. He says this, What if the future of the church in the West, in London, in a Portland, in a Melbourne, in Kalanga, in wherever you're from, what if it's not tips and techniques? What if it's not a brand it's not a personality, it's not a style, it's not a genre, it's not even a strategy. What if the future is a desperate hunger for God, a cry of prayer? And Father, we just ask that you would stir us to pray, God. That we we need you, we need your help even to pray. Like we need your spirit to, to stir and to switch on something in us and, and ignite this hunger and this longing and desire for you. But Father, we just say thank you so much for what you've done um, at Rivers, God. Thank you for the people here tonight and the way that you have brought about faith and love and hope in their hearts, God. Thank you for the long history of just your, your goodness and your grace in this community, God. We just say thank you for that. Thank you for the friends. Thank you for the mentors. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the the ways the gospel goes out of this place, God. Just thank you, God. And Father, we pray for for knowledge of your will as we move into this next season. God, would you speak to us powerfully, God? Would you speak um, just through many of us in the congregation, God, would you stir prayers? Would you stir dreams? Would you stir imaginations, God? Would you just lead us as to what it is that you're, you're wanting and what your heart is for us and for Kalanga and for this area, God? Would you, would you do that? And Jesus, in all of that, would you just enlarge our vision, even as we were singing before, God, would, would there be the spirit of revelation, of, of understanding of who you are, of just how great you are, of just how present you are, of just just your abundance of grace and love. Jesus, we just ask that you would just be lifted up more than ever um, in our hearts. Um, above all the, the circumstance, all the emotion, all the anxiety, Jesus, would you just reign and would you just stir a hunger and a cry for prayer, God, to seek you and to know you. So we just ask this By your spirit, we ask that you just lead us through this transition and unite us together, we pray in your name, Lord.